Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Caps Podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And everybody's hurt. This no, really. sucks. Everybody's hurt. Yeah, no, literally everyone's hurt. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the, the story is we can wrap up the episode right now, honestly. That would be like, that'd be a pretty accurate description. And you know, we'd get hate for it because apparently there are a lot of people who, you know, don't think injuries are justification, which we'll go into in a minute. But for the uninformed, K-State in a what was a top 25 matchup up against the number eight team in the country, now number seven team in the country, K-State ended up falling 38 to 28 to the Texas Christian Horn Frogs. And, you know, uh, after falling in this game, just, you know, we'll say that K-State is still ranked 22 in the AP poll and in the coaches poll. We didn't top drop out of the top 25. So, you know, it's not like this was the worst loss in history. It was a top 10 team and a team that if they remain undefeated, probably gets like legit CFP hype. But I mean, they're getting it now, but yeah. you know, it's still frustrating. And let's just start off from, from the very top. And we have a, uh, a list. <laughs> we have quite the list to go over and, we will present this list without further comment, and you can guess what the list is about. All right. Adrian Martinez, Will Howard, Deuce Vaughn, Ben Sennett, Daniel Green, Austin Moore, Julius Brents, Josh Hayes, Felix, and Nate Matlick. I'll give you three guesses. Yeah, I. <laughs> those are players that either did not return because of injury or were playing hobbled through injury. And Austin Moore, I think, is probably the one that's most speculative. And that's only because I didn't see much of him in the last few drives. But yeah. like. I remembered somebody saying he got hurt. Austin Moore is the one question mark that I have on that list. Everybody else we know for a fact got hurt. Uh, Will hurt. Will was playing hurt at the end of the game. Deuce played hurt the entire game. Felix and Nate were playing through injury. Hayes was playing through injury. Daniel Green got hurt early and left. Adrian obviously got hurt early and left. Senate got hurt around the same time as Will, I think. Uh, Julius Brents, he got hurt, tried to come back, and then got hurt worse. And, and then gave then, up a deep bomb because he got hurt. Yeah, which that's just terrible timing. And yeah. then Josh Hayes, he got hurt and came back. So pretty unbelievable list of essentially every top talent on the team oddly enough the only unit that did not get touched by this was the offensive line of receivers uh i think it was what it was uh yeah weird the offensive line avoided the injury bug in this game uh receivers all in all actually had a really great game yeah, uh which is so of all the games so strange played. this this was one of the strangest most frustrating and all around weird K-State games I think I've ever watched. Definitely the most injuries I've ever seen in a K-State game from my time watching K-State football. It's like the body bag game. Like what was happening? Uh the the term I saw got used most often was mash unit. And yeah. the defense at times was definitely a mash unit. No offense to some of the guys out there, but walk-ons really should not be playing meaningful snaps, at least in some of them. I, mean, I won't name names, but 
there, there were people on the field that probably should not have been on the field as much as they were. And that became very obvious down the stretch in the game. I don't say that to take away from TCU. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely super weird. Like that this keeps happening, but like it, it, it's, it's not TCU's fault. They play the team in front of them. And so like, like they're not, they're not like an outwardly dirty team. No, they're not head hunting. Like the people, like, it's just such an, it's such a strange coincidence and series of bad luck for the teams that they face. It's just really unfortunate that it's happened to like the same team four games in a row. If it happens two more games in a row, they're, I, there's I something may, there. It, there. Like, like if it does there. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Like I, I think that's, that's the right way to look at it. If this continues happening, even still, like if JT Daniels goes out next week and then whoever plays quarterback for Texas tech, whether it be Tyler Shuck or Baron Morton or, uh, uh, uh donovan smith if they go out then yeah i'll believe something's there like, like that that would be pretty strange I, I, i'm not sure you can say that about jt daniels because jt daniels has made a glass so i, I maybe you see that's happens. what they want you yeah. to think that's Ace. what they, this has been the long con by tcu to make me think jt daniels is fragile yeah they you see they've been paying other yeah even paying him already to pretend to be hurt that that's what's been going on for years now this it has been a long, long con. long con by Sonny Dykes as he even gearing up for this year when he wasn't even at TCU. Right. He was, he was at but, SMU. <laughs> obviously joking, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't hold any ill will towards TCU. I hold, I hold more ill will towards Tim Brando for like making light of Julius Brent's like playing through injury and continuing to like try and then like obviously just not being able to run it and. Oh. Like him insinuating there was Johnston that did that. Uh, Tim Brando had a lot of classic Tim Brando moments in this game. I sincerely hope he never commentates another K-State game for the rest of my life because he makes the experience objectively worse in every possible way. Yeah, like, nice. Also, the production was pretty terrible. We went three and a half hours of game time, of, of real time, without knowing what happened to Adrian Martinez. There was that no sideline reporter. <laughs> Imagine... They they should have just trotted Tim down to the sideline, just had a mask. Hey, what's going on with Adrian? He's hurt. Okay, cool. Like, just find some <laughs> guy. Like, have a cameraman do it or something. Literally, just, just go. Someone just go to the KSA press box. Ask some GA. Hey, what's up with Adrian? I mean, obviously they won't say anything because that'd be weird to go to their press box. But yeah, like, I mean, just have a sideline reporter. Uh, it was just a really amateur production it felt like i mean espn plus puts out sideline reporters espn yeah. plus plus outside case hd sideline reporter every single non-rev game why was there not a sideline reporter for a fox sports one national broadcast top 25 matchup in prime time what a joke i i don't understand it but that, that was not even close to the worst thing that happened in this game so but yeah we are the strangest yeah. Now we can talk about the the general recap. The first thing to say is that we came out in the first half swinging. We were at, up at one point. I think it was what twenty eight to ten. Yeah, and uh, that was the biggest lead cut. Yeah, we we came out swinging in the first half, even when we were down to our backup quarterback, which we'll talk about later. And uh, spoilers: I will be insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it, I kind of was at the no, I wasn't that bad at the game. I, I mean, watching it at a uh, Tanner's, but the the second half is I'm not even going to call it a collapse of like play itself, but just like it was a collapse in like morale and a collapse of literally the majority of your star power is just gone. Like all the credit in the world to TCU for putting together that second half, because, you know, it, the K-State is still a power five football team. Yes. They should have been able to hold on to an 18 point lead through a halftime. Yes. They should have been able to score more points. Absolutely. I'm not saying that like, Oh, you know, K-State's perfect little angels in this and, you know, God himself had something against K-State today. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, you know, that just there's a legitimate reason why we weren't doing as well. I mean, we lost two drives of a Will Howard who was playing out of his mind to a Jake Rubley, which all respect to him should never and probably shouldn't ever be put in that situation, at least as a redshirt freshman, we lost essentially two drives to that. And this was a two score game. And, you know, you get those two field goals, you get one of those drives with Will back. I think we get one touchdown, we win the game. And, you know, that's just how the calculus works out. And that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. I mean, I am not, I, I, and I promise I'll, I'll <laughs> you can get a word in Connor in a second. I'm sorry. But, I, I'm not as upset as some of people on K-State Twitter. I think the people that say that this team is fraudulent and that this team has no chance of winning a game for the rest of the year. I think those people really need to eat a Snickers, but like. You're not you and you're hungry. Yeah, you're not you and you're hungry. This was such like a cataclysmic level event for K-State, that if Nick Castellanos were playing, he would have hit like three home runs. Career game. Career game for <laughs> Nick Castellanos, as that's a deep drive to left field, and oh my god, another K-State player is injured. What do you think, Connor? <laughs> um, I think a lot of blame is getting thrown around uh, very negligently, I'd say. Um, I've seen people blame Will Howard I have zero blame for Will. I thought Will was absolutely excellent coming in cold and playing the best game of his career and genuinely dicing up that TCU defense in the first half. He looked unstoppable in the first half. He was absolutely phenomenal. And the only real ding on the first half is that last drive that we had. And even then, we didn't lose this game because of three plays. Like... Like there, there's no doubt in my mind that that was not the reason that we lost. Um, and then you go forward to the second half. First off, we don't touch the ball until almost halfway through the third quarter. Yeah. And then we have a really nice drive and get inside the TCU 30. Then will gets hurt on a third down and then tenant misses a field goal. And then wills out for the next two possessions. Uh, Rubley throws a pick. Will comes. Uh, Will does not come back because then we have that uh, not converted fourth down, which I was probably the worst coaching decision of the night. I think we, I get why. I get why we went for it, but I mean, with Rubley, I wouldn't 
we, we know Ruby's very limited as a runner. And I, it, with the, in the moment, I was fine with it. The gift of hindsight, I really don't think we should have gone for it there. I get right. why. I get I, why they did it. Like I, I'll let you go over the general gist, and then I could kind of give my thoughts on that as well. But yeah, but yeah. Then after that, Will comes back, puts together, puts together another really good drive, misses a touchdown by inches, uh, and I don't hold that against him. I mean, that's again, that's just how the cookie crumbles. He'd already thrown two touchdowns. He had done his part in that game. Yeah. Uh, and you can argue that Cage should have caught it. I mean, yeah. I mean, can argue def- it. It's whatever. Yeah. Yeah, which you know, it's it's tough. That that's just how it went. Uh, and then Tennant missed the field goal off the upright, uh, and then we get a stop. And then uh, uh, Will just like was trying to make something happen through a pick. I don't hold that against him. He it was desperation mode at that point. Four minutes to go, we were almost out of timeouts. Time I think we. I we had, had one none or one. Yeah. I mean, we had one because we called. Well, we had at least one because we called one the next drive, but we had called one. Uh, the previous drive as well uh so yeah he threw a pick uh that doesn't upset me this game does not fall will howard's shoulders a lot of people were upset with colin klein i i don't know maybe this will upset people this game wasn't colin klein's fault either yeah. i thought i thought colin klein did pretty well considering the amount of injuries that he was having to deal with deuce vaughn only gets 12 carries and then four catches in this game but he was clearly playing through injury as well because he came off the field a few times. We saw more DJ Giddens than we've seen really at any other point this year uh, for meaningful snaps. Uh, and he was pretty hit and miss. Um, Colin Klein called a masterful first half. People are going to complain about the uh, one drive in the second quarter, which is fair. It was not a great drive. I get what he's trying to do there on third down, which is like a one read, try and get a good pass. And if not pick up as many yards as you can to try and make it a, uh, four down situation, but didn't get anything. It just yeah. wasn't manageable. I, I get it, but still wasn't a good drive. And then third quarter, he called two really great drives that were just missed field goals. And Colin Klein isn't coach the kickers, so that you can't hold that against him. I don't think. Um, and then uh, well through a pick at the end, just trying to make something happen. I don't think this game is on Colin Klein. We can talk about the team, the coaches getting conservative, which at times I think we do get conservative too quickly. And I think that that may have happened in this game a little bit. I think a lot of people are exaggerating, though. I mean, think whatever you want. I I really don't see it with this game. This game, I, I think that we generally called really good plays and we're trying to win. And I, I didn't come away from this game thinking that there was like a need to like fire Colin Klein or something like I've seen some people insinuate. Climbing definitely a few times. I wish we would have maybe managed the game a little bit differently, but uh, not to the point that I thought it was the sole purpose for the loss. I've seen a lot of things get blamed for the sole purpose as this loss, and really the only one I think that even comes close is the injuries, and even then, I don't think that is the full scope of the loss. A lot of it, we just we just had bad luck in this game. We lost the coin toss for the first time all year, and it showed. And... <laughs> And luck was not on our side and that's not a slight at TCU either. They took what we gave them and played a good game as well and had to come back from 18 down. So, I mean, it is what it is. We lost on the road to a top 10 team. People are really losing their minds and I get it. I was losing my mind last night, but with 24 hours to sleep on it, I am not as concerned as I was. 
if the injuries persist, that's a different thing. But in an isolated situation, this one game, I'm not losing my head over it. Um, definitely very disappointing because it was right there. And if we take that, then all of a sudden we control the Big 12. That's valid to be frustrated about. I'm frustrated about that. But I am not looking for heads to roll because of this game and the outcome. It is, we are not even close to that being something to consider. We would need the, we need to lose out and then also do the same thing next year for me to even consider that. But I, I don't know. It, it was a rough game. I've been talking about it for a while at Utah Ace, but yeah, I kind of did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I don't know. I, I urge patience, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a fairly patient person from a sports perspective. I, I'm not ringing alarm bells off of this. It's a disappointing, but this is not the end of the world. Yeah. Like, so the, before we move on to stats, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, that going for it. I think it was like the what 35 with the QB sneak to Rubley. Mm-hmm. The biggest complaint that I have from an offensive play calling perspective this game no i didn't like the end of the the first half drive i didn't like it but like like you i understood what was going on i understood what we were doing but the the main complaints i have in again this is it may come down to rubley just being a redshirt freshman and not knowing any better and no one's told them whenever you line up in goal line formation from any point in the field and you normally have two or three play calls that you can go to because it's a baseline formation that's pretty easy to understand. And you normally only have like two or three play calls to go with it. Normally you have like a QB sneak slash like ISO play where you just go straight up the middle to get like a yard or two. Then you have like a play action spot play where normally only on the goal line you call it so that way you can get a wide open corner route to a tight end. The third option is whenever you're presented with a hyper compact look like TCU was giving you at that point, whenever you're presented with that look, you almost always, always have to have a check where you can just make it to be an outside handoff or a quick pitch to the outside to gain a couple yards so you're not running straight into the teeth of the defense. Again, maybe we have that, maybe we don't. Maybe Rubley wasn't taught about it. Maybe we don't have it at all, but that's probably my biggest complaint from a play calling perspective, because I still think that we had time on the clock to where we said, okay, look over the sideline. Okay. Just switch to a quick pitch to the outside and pick up three yards running the running into the teeth of that defense with your interior offensive line being your interior offensive line outside of Cooper BB is with a quarterback who weighs maybe 190 it's a completely it's a different calculus if it's will howard because will howard weighs like 250 <laughs> yeah if, if that's will we probably get the first down there one way or another because he's taller weighs more and is stronger that and he also has plainly he just has more experience yeah um he, he runs sneaks he, to the soft part yeah and he had a qb sneak for a touchdown earlier in the game so we we know he's capable of it so yeah, I, I don't want to take from your point. You continue. No, no, no. That that pretty much was my point. Is that my biggest issue with the play calling is that we didn't check to a pitch, or we didn't we don't have a pitch. The second is more concerning than the first. Yeah. Um. 
I would chalk it up to we probably have a pitch and Rubley just didn't check to it because of inexperience. That's my guess. I would, I'd, I, I think that we probably have a pitch. I'd be shocked if we didn't, a pitch or at least some sort of outside run. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to sound uh, like, don't take me like, like giving patience and like, like, like trying to, I don't know, like say that this isn't the end of the world. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to come off as preachy with that. Like, I'm not like, if you're upset about the outcome of the game, don't get me wrong. I am too. I mm-hmm. melted down last night and I purposely stayed away from Twitter <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was really rough. Um, I was really, really, really upset about the outcome of the game. Um, but it is one game. We are five and two. We have only one loss in Big 12 play, and it is a road loss to a top 10 team that now controls their own destiny in the Big 12 race. If you're going to lose a game in the Big 12, you might as well lose it to the team that's at the top and then come back stronger and play two straight home games against quality teams to build your resume. So I, if we lose the next three, then or the next two, I should say, then yeah, you know, I'll I'll be the tension playing. Yeah. I'll, I'll be there with you and I will be upset, but I'm not ready to do that yet. Um, because even if Adrian is not back next week, will looked really great. I thought, uh, this was the, his, was his best game as a wildcat by far in the stats. There you go. You can take offensive stats. There you go. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, well, Howard, he goes 13 to 20 for 225 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Most of that coming in the first half, a lot of that because of injuries. Um, and that pick was late. I'm making excuses for him. I don't need to do that. Uh, and then uh, he also added nine carries for 31 yards and a touchdown with a long 14. Granted, he didn't look phenomenal running the ball. He looked a little awkward. He, he, he definitely he always has, does. Yeah, he's he definitely he definitely still has the like baby draft type of look. Which again, he's put on even more weight, so he's not quite as fast and agile as he was before. And I say that he wasn't particularly like speedy before. He wasn't slow, but he he was he had like very average quarterback speed. I'd say he he could move, but it wasn't his forte. Uh, he's definitely gotten slower. Um, Adrian he only had one completion on two attempts for seven yards, and on his first carry, which was one rush for nineteen yards, he uh dinged his knee a little uh lingering thing from iowa state apparently uh and we didn't see him again um and then jake rubley uh went over one with the pick we can argue about whose fault that is there i don't have the energy to do that (laughs) who cares (laughs) at the end of the day he's a redshirt freshman that came in in an impossible position and he he just didn't make a good read I this is not the end for Jake Rubley in the same way that people were totally willing to write off Will Howard and he just played an absolutely excellent game and had the single best passing performance of any K-State quarterback this year. So mm-hmm. we oh, have a well, Adrian we have, against Oklahoma. I suppose that's true. But Will was still dicing up the TCU defense, especially in the first half. A full game, Will Howard with like healthy Will Howard maybe we say something different but beside the point yeah. anywho deuce uh 12 rushes for 83 yards uh average 6.9 per carry and a touchdown he had that long touchdown run uh to put us up 28 to 10 
everything was just so nice back then. <laughs> Cade Warner had two carries for 19 <laughs> yards, a few jet sweeps. Cade Warner being the jet sweep yeah. choice is one of the choices of all time. And he it honestly worked. looked he looked good doing it. Like like he he looked totally fine doing that. Uh DJ Giddens, he had four carries for seven yards and a pretty bad fumble, honestly. Um, he definitely has a lot to learn uh, in the running game. He's young. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, he was fine, I guess. Uh, Malik Knowles had four catches for 69 yards, 17.3 per reception, and a long of 37 yards. Uh, second best game on the year, uh, statistically at least. Uh, he looked really good. He looked really comfortable. That 37-yard catch was so clutch because uh, that was a long third down, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil, two catches for 50 yards, long of 28. He had a really big third down catch as well. It was an absolutely excellent throw from Will. That was a dig route. Ace, you, were, you specifically thought that that was an absolutely excellent throw, I recall, because that was a It was a layered down. throw. It was a it was. layered throw, which like yeah. you don't expect quarterbacks like, oh, it's because he doesn't have an arm. Shut your mouth. Stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> like, oh, it's because he doesn't. Shut up. That is a legitimately <laughs> impressive throw to fit that in perfectly right above a lurking linebacker in such a big moment. Like, it, ha, uh, it, it, We'll go into that later, but for now, yeah, the the backside dig did to Philip. Yeah, he was absolutely excellent. That was a twenty-two yard catch, um, absolutely massive. Uh, then, uh, furthermore, uh, Cade Warner two catches, forty yards, touchdown. Had an absolutely phenomenal touchdown grab on a really solid throw from Will, but honestly, an even better catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, he hauls that in, and then a near second touchdown, just mere inches away uh, from converting that and getting yet another touchdown grab in the game. Uh, Cade Warner, he's in the midst of the best season of his career. Uh, 16 catches, 173, two touchdowns, the first two touchdowns of his career. Uh, Deuce Vaughn had four catches for 38 yards. This is the most he's been using the passing game this year, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Um DJ Giddens had a catch for 26 yards, and it was an absolute excellent catch. Uh, and then Sammy Wheeler had one catch for nine yards and a touchdown, kind of had to reach to grab it. It was a pretty nice catch, honestly. The two pop passes. I knew we were setting it up. I was waiting. We've we been talking two about that. flavors of it. We've been waiting for a while for the fake QB power uh, pass up the seam, and we got it twice, and that was absolutely wonderful. And it, it's been excellent. I, I was so happy to watch us break that out. Uh, you you specifically, I think, were even happier than I was. And I was, was pretty so, happy about I was it. So happy. <laughs> I mean, because I, I mean, that was true. Off that was offensive creativity showing the counter punch there. That was something we've been. Con- that's something that you specifically really been concerned about as a counter punch. And we did show that counter punch there. So that shows a lot of growth and the long con, I guess, from Colin Klein. Um. Uh, other than that, offensively, uh, Chris Tennant won four for four in extra points, did have two field goal misses. Pretty tough night for him. Uh, and then beyond that, the only other thing that I really want to say uh, is that Will Howard 
according to PFF, if you are a PFF truther or not, I know there's mixed feelings about that in our region of the U.S., given how they treat Patrick Mahomes sometimes. But yeah, uh, Will Howard had the best passing grade this of any KC quarterback this whole year with an 89.3 and 86.3 offensive grade, including five, count them, five big-time throws which is more than any K-State quarterback in a game this year. Um, It's fair to say that Will, uh, he truly was excellent in this game, Uh, and he was throwing all over the field as well. Uh, He was hitting the middle. uh, He hit deep left. He was hitting right. He lived over the middle of the field, to be fair, but he was hitting multiple places on the field. He had a perfect passer rating deep outside left, 2 of 253 yards and a touchdown, 158.3. Uh, was his rating there? So perfect. Uh, he, uh, I believe, one fifty eight point three is perfect, right? Yeah, one fifty is perfect. You can get above perfect. Will was even more than perfect, <laughs> as we've always suspected at the Acuville Alley Cats podcast. You, you can't, you can't see it because it's an audio medium. But Connor can see the smile on my face. Yeah, <laughs> and also worth saying for Will when. The pocket was kept clean. He had a 93.9 passer rate or pa- uh, pass grade, I should say, on PFF. And then when he wasn't blitzed, had a flat 90. Um, definitely went down when he was under pressure because the offensive line, that was really the only time that he uh, truly struggled, I'd say, uh, was when pressure was getting home just because he doesn't have the same ability as Adrian. That's really the only downside to his game. But uh, yeah, Will was he was really awesome uh, in this game. Uh, I, I keep singing his praises. I know that we lost. I'm sure people don't want to hear it, but really, Will was very, 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 very impressive in this game. I felt like this was the best game of his career. He took major steps uh, in this game that I think a lot of people never expected from him, and he he does deserve applause for that, even though. Uh, we lost the game. That is not Will Howard's fault. Will Howard played his heart out in this game and came back from a tough injury. Um, because I mean that anything shoulder related for a quarterback <laughs> that is very dicey. Uh, so the fact that he came back at all is like really impressive. Yeah, I've been talking for a while. He's you. You start speaking. Uh, say right. something. I don't know. <laughs> Defensive stats, and then after this, we'll go into game day grades. We'll just kind of try and move quickly here. Nick Allen was the leading tackler, 10 total tackles. Austin Moore was second. He also forced a fumble with uh, nine total tackles. Sincere Mason had seven total tackles, one PBU. Josh Hayes, six tackles, one PBU. Kobe Savage and Drake Cheatham each had a PBU. Uh, Cheatham had half a tackle for loss. Felix had numerous missed holding calls against him and five tackles. Daniel Green had four tackles, one TFL and a sack. Gavin Forche had one TFL, and that was a sack, four tackles total. Uh, Khalid Duke and Eli Huggins each had four tackles. Julius Brent, Brendan Mott, and Nate Matlick all had three tackles. Julius Brent had one and a half for loss. Nate Matlick had a sack, and so did D. Hens, who had two tackles on the day. Uh, Echo had two tackles. TJ, Jacob Parrish, and Shane Porter all had one tackle on the day. And Jacob Parrish was credited with a PBU and a very near interception. Not a gate, not a day goes by where he doesn't make me look stupid. But <laughs> he is another guy that 
really came up big in this game, I think is fair to say. Because uh, he came into the game obviously not expecting, expecting to play much, ends up uh, playing 35 snaps and uh, gets the fourth highest PFF grade on the team. So major, 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 major shout out to Jacob Parrish. Um, true freshman cornerback, uh, really stepping up to the plate. Yeah. All right. Now we get to talk about game day grades, where we take a look at every single position group, including coordinators, and give them a grade from F to A+. F meaning they single-handedly lost us the game, and A+, meaning they nearly single-handedly won us the game. As always, we start on the offensive side of the ball with the quarterback. And listen, listen, told you I was going to be insufferable. You may... if. If you're a Will Howard hater, first off, leave. Secondly, you're not gonna like. <laughs> you're, not. you're gonna. You're about to hate this as if you weren't already, because we we are Will Howard fans. Uh, this podcast have been. We we have been Will Howard truthers. One might say, yeah, at <laughs> this podcast since the beginning. So let let's. We've already gone over the PFF grades. From from Will Howard, he was the highest graded offensive player on this team. I believe he had a total. He had a completion percentage, real completion percentage of sixty five percent. Correct. He had an adjusted completion percentage of seventy two point three. Point two, but point two, whatever. <laughs> I, I, that is such a ridiculous completion percentage, and he did this despite catching strays and not playing he, he was catching strays because he wasn't playing and like I, I this is so strange to say about a guy who's only a year younger than me but damn it i am so proud of will howard and it's not like he was making like these baby he wasn't he wasn't playing on like baby mode and making easy wide open throws he was making tight window throws. He was demonstrating the fact that he has an arm, like that he has arm strength, despite what foundation users say. Don't go to the foundation after a loss. Don't go on Twitter after a loss. Just just turn off your phone. Like, practice the arts. Anytime after a loss, just go on, just take a voluntary social media cleanse for 36 hours. You're gonna feel a lot better about yourself if you do. Oh. Oh, don't don't make the mistake I did of just sitting on Twitter and just allowing yourself to get more upset. <laughs> yeah, like, but back to Will Howard. Will Howard had a couple of really good plays and a couple of really telling plays. He was playing with a lot more confidence. Someone with confidence doesn't throw a back shoulder ball to a nap defender. Nap defender basically means back to the quarterback, so they don't know where the ball is coming from. Someone who doesn't have that last year's Will Howard doesn't make that throw. Not a chance. 2020 Will Howard doesn't make that throw. He has the confidence to make that throw and trust his receiver, and he gets rewarded for it. He makes reads genuinely over the field and makes a great layered throw to convert third downs, like especially that one throw to Phillip Brooks over the middle of the linebackers. He managed to layer a ball to a 5'8 receiver. Do you know how hard that is to do? I'm not trying to start a controversy here, but I feel like this is worth saying. And it's, I'm not saying that Will's a better quarterback than Adrian, but I don't think Adrian makes that throw. 
I don't either. Like Because one of Adrian's only weak parts this whole year has been that he does overthrow over the middle. And we've been aware of that and we know that. And especially Philip Brooks, which is it's just a shame. He's basically making fun of him for being five eight. But <laughs> he but Will Will made an incredible th- I'm sorry to step on your, your grade, but no no no, it's I, it's good. It's good. And 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 let me preface this and let me I suppose not preface because I've already kind of gone off a minute. I Adrian Martinez is still the definitive starting quarterback for this team. Will did not absolutely like he did not start a quarterback controversy. He played exceedingly well, but Adrian Martinez is still how this team gets to its ceiling. But that being said, I don't think that having Will Howard in this game or any game in the future is the equivalency to sawing both of your legs off. The only reason why the quarterback doesn't get a flat A from me is because Jake Rubley unfortunately came in and vomited all over himself, which, you know, you could say, oh, why did Colin Klein call like a backside? Like, why did he call that like outside out route to like opposite side of the field? Uh, No one made Jake Rubley throw that ball. (laughs) No one made him do that. Yeah. But I I get that young young quarterbacks will make mistakes. I like that. That's a given. I mean, we saw that with Will, and now he's a junior, has a lot of experience, and looked at, like a seasoned veteran. Um, and Jake, he he just made a freshman mistake. He let the ball go before really going through that progression. And I mean, it was obviously a blanket covered out route from the far side of the field. That is, I can't think of a much worse throw to make as a quarterback. It isn't a much worse throw to make. Yeah, I, I think at that point, it. it the only worst throw I can think of is maybe gift wrapping a ball and just tossing it to a defensive lineman. Oh, you mean and, overthrowing a drag route? Uh, yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk anymore about that. But. <laughs> but I ended up giving the quarterbacks an A minus, and truly, it, will this is going to sound super like high and high and mighty? We've never ever thought that Will was a bad quarterback. I'm not going to say we expected this, but basically this was it's the most I've enjoyed a quarterback performance and a loss in a long time. Mostly because there's no one I want to see succeed more than Will Howard, but I've talked for a substantial amount of time. How was your quarterback grade? I gave an A minus as well. And honestly, it feels really weird to give good grades and a loss. But I feel like with the context of how many injuries were going on in this game, I I'm adjust I'm kind of like curving my grades for that this week. I mean, think of that what you will. That probably upsets some people. And that's fair, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like like you you could say if, if I mean, there's a fair argument for nobody should get more than like a B minus and a loss or something like that. But I mean, I'd also be kind of unfair, I think, to Will Howard, who I do genuinely think played a really, really good game. Uh, I mean, he was getting the ball downfield more than we've seen from a passing game in a while. We briefly turned into an air raid team for maybe <laughs> 15 minutes, <laughs> which and is something we have, never, we have not seen that since like 2014. And and. Yeah, I gave, I gave an A minus again. I took a little bit off because of the pick from Jake. I don't hold the pick that Will threw um, against him. It wasn't the best throw in the world, but if we aren't trailing by as much as we are at that point, I don't think he makes that throw. 
So I, I, I don't know. They're, I, I gave an A minus. It feels, it just, it does really feel odd and a little weird to uh, give good grades and a loss. But I mean, I really, really think it wouldn't be fair to Will to give lower than an A, A minus. Exactly. Next up is the running back room, which the running backs had a pretty solid day considering how the offensive line was run blocking. The main thing that knocks them down for me is that D- that DJ Ginn's fumble, although it wasn't recovered by TCU, it had the potential to be very, very costly. And, you know, outside of the one home run play by Deuce in the running game and, you know, him catching uh, that <laughs> counter punch to the pop pass, it, it's just kind of seemed pretty pedestrian. I ended up giving them a B. They weren't bad. They were actually good. But, you know, they're just a couple. No nutty impact and one mistake that could have really cost us. Yeah. I gave a B plus for fairly similar reasons. I thought that they were pretty good. DJ had that really bad fumble. Um, that, that was very frustrating. Um, but he did have an absolutely excellent catch on a really great throw, too. That was one of Will's big time throws, I think. Um, and uh, then Deuce was really solid in the past game for the first time in a while. It seemed like once Will came in, we made an adjustment to start including Deuce in the past game more. Maybe uh, Adrian, we don't want throwing in the short game as much. Maybe we just don't trust his reads in the short game as much, and we prefer to get a more intermediate, um, which is fair, I suppose. But um, yeah, B plus for me. Deuce was good. Uh, made some guys miss, made a few guys look silly, um, and was doing all that while playing a little banged up. Uh, so B plus for me. Yeah. Next up are the wide receivers who picked a weird game to have their best game of the year. <laughs> I, you could say that again. <laughs> they were getting open against a team that I thought they were going to struggle getting open. Malik was getting open against Josh Newton. I thought Josh Newton was going to erase him. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, they were getting separation. They were making big plays when they were needed. Like they were, they weren't giving, they weren't dropping much. You know, you could argue maybe the K Warner is like, you could maybe consider that a drop. I don't put that on anyone because that's one of those plays where I'm like, that's unlucky. That could have happened to anybody. And maybe both sides share a bit of blame, but like, I simply don't care. I ended up giving them a B plus. They had a great game and they pick the game with the backup quarterback to have their best game of the year. Yeah, I gave him a B plus as well for very similar reasons because they were genuinely impressive. Um, they made some really great catches. They were getting open. Um, they made some tight window catches as well. Malik had a few great plays in particular. Malik, he looks like the receiver that we've been wanting to see. Um, statistically, he had a very, very similar game to Quentin Johnston. Uh, Johnson just had the touchdown um, and Malik was like one yard away from the touchdown uh, that I think will ended up sneaking in. But um, yeah, the the receivers, Cade, he looked really great. Yeah, on the, the missed uh, throw slash fingertip drop. That, that's 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 kind of one of those just situations where you both blame or you blame both of them and also neither of them. Yeah. That, that just is what it is uh, it's a near miss that happens at every level of football and 
you know, it's like, oh, if the receiver stretches a little bit more, then that's a catch. But if the quarterback makes the throw a little bit more on target, that's a catch. It is what it is on that. Yeah, really whatever. frustrating. Yeah, really frustrating. doesn't connect, but I'm that doesn't change the overall grade for me. So B+. Plus. Next up is tight ends fullbacks. And aside from the Sammy Wheeler catch on the pop pass, they did like nothing this game. I gave them a C plus because C is like a baseline grade. Like you existed on the field and weren't an active detriment and you get a plus if you get a touchdown. So that's all I got. I gave him a B minus. Um, I, because of the Wheeler touchdown is a really nice catch on a really great play. Uh, nice play design, good execution. Um, I, I, I just gave him a B minus. I truly can't tell you why I gave him a B minus instead of a C plus. There really is no reason for me to have done that, but I did. I did it anyways, I guess. So, um, shout out Will Swanson for getting some snaps uh, after Ben Sennett got hurt. Uh, we saw a little bit of Christian Moore uh, down the goal line. It's a really cool guy. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's not a joke. He actually is a cool guy. I had him in class, but you, you know that the people listening didn't, but yes, I, I know that, but most people don't. So, um, yeah, B minus for the Titan fullbacks. Yep. Next up is the offensive line who, if, if this was just based purely off of their run blocking, they get like a D plus, but their pass blocking was stupid. Good for no reason. I, they were I mean, they were excellent. They were excellent in pass block, which honestly, I controversial take. I will take a better pass blocking line than a better run blocking line every single day of the week, even if I'm in a more run heavy offense. But the only exception to that is if I'm running like wing T triple option. <laughs> but I ended up giving them a B just because even when they were giving up pressure, it was it wasn't like that instant pressure where like there's no method of escape. I mean, even Will was able to roll out the pocket with the way that they were manipulating the rush. Will just admittedly isn't as used to throwing on the run and doesn't have that. He doesn't have the body type that necessarily is conducive to throwing on the run, if that makes sense. He's a bit more of a top-heavy athlete. You want someone who's a bit more bottom-heavy. I, I could go into the bonic, the mechanics of it, but it, it doesn't matter. Basically, you throw it like a shortstop. That's easier to do if you're bottom-heavy. I at least if I'm remembering it correctly. But that's either here nor there, and that's a Will Howard point, not an offensive line point. I ended up giving them a, a B just because they were really, really bad in run blocking, but really, really good in pass blocking. I gave them an A- minus because truly their pass blocking was the best that we've seen all year. Um, they didn't give up a sack. Um, they were absolutely phenomenal in that regard. Run block was not great. Uh, the best in that department was maybe Duffy. Um, but other than that, uh, according to PFF, KT Leviston was an absolute unit in pass block, had an 86.8 pass blocking grade, uh, but was also the second worst run blocker. So make make of that what you will, take it or leave it. Um, but what's the highest run blocking grade? I'm curious. Um, DJ Giddens with a 67.5. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> For offensive lineman, uh, it was Duffy with a 62.9. For non-running backs, Ben Sennett had a 64.7. But everybody else was kind of in that like mid-50s to low-60s range. For your below uh, average. 
yeah, below below average. Uh, not not what you would expect. Um, few times they had some really great plays. Few times they opened up some some holes and like really were doing work. Uh, pass block was where they lived. Um, a lot of times Will had perfect pockets and was doing a really great job there. But I'd imagine that Oklahoma State adjusts, and they're going to bring a lot of pressure next week. I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, well, they do that yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, and they will continue. But a minus for me. Next up, it, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, is the defensive line. Now, this is one that I actually had a little bit of struggle with, but long story short, TLDR, I gave them a B plus. You can now skip the next like. 45 seconds saved you time <laughs> but they were generating a lot of pressure and a lot of that pressure what pressure pressure was converted <laughs> into sacks even if it wasn't by a defensive lineman and they were also doing their job in the running game and you know felix was garnering so much attention and also getting held nearly every single play. Which, like, granted, we didn't get called for holding. It was equal both sides. So, like, I'm not going to complain about it that much. But I ended up giving them a, a B plus just because they had a solid game in terms of getting pressure, even if not all of those pressures were converted. Also, that Nate Matlick sack was ridiculously good play by him. So, B plus. Yeah, I gave an A-. minus. Um, I felt like the defensive line really did play really well. Matt Luke was great. Robert Hentz, he, I, he, somebody forgot about him and he got there in like maybe a second for mm-hmm. his sack. Um, then, uh, Brendan Mott had two quarterback hurries, uh, good on him. And we, we saw some good rotation there. Eli Huggins played pretty well. Felix was, he got five tackles despite, uh, yeah, like you said, getting held most of the game. I mean, I do, I don't even blame TCU for that. I no. I'd, I'd do that too, but especially if it was the same team that he did that against last year. Yeah, yeah, he he was getting held day and night, but I don't blame them. Yeah, a a minus for me. A uh, solid performance all around from the defensive line. Would have liked to see maybe a bit more pressure uh, in key situations. Uh, there were a few times where. It looked like we were kind of running a contain and I it seemed like that maybe we should have been a bit more aggressive, but hindsight's twenty twenty on that, I guess. So next up is the linebackers. I just gave them an injured grade because like I, Daniel Green was out. Austin Moore, there's questions on if he was playing hobbled, but I tend to think he was. Khalid Duke got got ejected late. We won't have him for the beginning of Oklahoma State, which will hurt. You, you said you don't want to name names. Um, yeah, There were people playing at middle linebacker who are not a natural fit for the position, and the way we run this defense are active detriments. And I'm not talking about Nick Allen. Nick Allen... Do not misunderstand me. Nick Allen did not have a good game, which that's fine. Like it it sucks, but it's fine. I understand. I get it. But the linebacking room was so absolutely decimated by losing Daniel Green. If you put a gun to my head and make me like made me give a grade, maybe a D plus, but I, it's just such it's such a shame that 
losing Daniel Green and having one player ejected and one player dinged up absolutely just like drops a tungsten rod from the sun onto this team. I ended up so injured, but if I had to give one D plus. Yeah, I gave them a C. Um, I, I was a little generous. Uh, and then Austin Moore had a pretty solid stat line. He had nine tackles and a forced fumble and was probably not playing 100% in this game. Uh, so, and there, there's definitely concern that we're that thin at the position. Granted, I always forget about this. We still we haven't had Will Onus all year, and we're never going to see him, I guess, nope. at this rate. Um, we lost all three of our transfer linebackers for one reason or another. Yeah, and it's an absolute shame. I'd say it could happen to anybody. I I really don't think it could. I don't, I don't think it could have. <laughs> um, but there was a point in time where I was sitting there late in the game, like, should we just throw Tobio out there to see what happens? Like, he, he already got the snaps in because he's a special teams contributor. Yeah. So I I, I was at the point where I was like, maybe we should put Tobio in the game and see what he can do, uh, because clearly the athleticism just wasn't there yet. Uh, for some of the guys that were in, I I would have liked to see significant rotation of that position because I don't think there's that much of a skill gap between people once you get that low on the depth chart. Uh, I was thinking we might see Clifton, I see Tobio, um, maybe Crew Jackson, but uh, we didn't really see any of those guys. And I, I get it; they're just trying to play guys at that point to just like know the playbook and have a general idea of what's going on. Forche yeah. was good in pass rush. He had a sack. Uh, was not good in run defense. Uh, but again, and they were so, so, so thin. It's, it really is tough to give an accurate grade, but they didn't play well, especially down the stretch because that room was just really getting decimated. So I gave them a C just out of generosity, I suppose. But um, And then Austin Moore did legitimately uh, have a pretty solid stat line and forced a fumble, which I completely forgot about and uh, played pretty solid. But yeah, C for me. Yeah. Next up are the defensive backs who, honestly, I, I gave them a full disclosure. I gave them a B. And there are a lot of reasons why. And there are a lot of reasons why you could make a convincing argument as to why I am wrong about it. Because on one hand, we limited the most ex- the most explosive offense in the Big 12 to 280 passing yards. Uh, you told me we did that before the game. I would have shook your hand and maybe give you a kiss on the cheek, but asking first. But <clears throat> um, <laughs> I there's so there was a lot that kind of went wrong. Drake Cheatham getting dusted on that on that slant from uh, Darius Darius Davis. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was probably ha- a, like one of the dashes. So it went from like a, a baseline A minus to a B plus. Then Julius getting hurt and us pretty much losing our best shot of covering Quentin Johnson without like you know bracketing, which we ended up doing, which left a lot more options open in the running game. I ended up giving them a B again. I could, there's very easily a world where you could say they played as well as they could considering. And you could point at the stats and say that for me, it just doesn't necessarily pass the eye test. So I gave them a B. 
Yeah, I gave them a B as well. Uh, they had frustrating moments. They had some really great moments. Sincere Mason had a few near interceptions on in possession at one point mm-hmm. in the first half. Um, he also had a blunder that allowed that touchdown late uh, in the uh, first half because he let a Wiley uh, through and just didn't pick him up. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there was give and take everywhere. Um, Julius Brents, yeah, he had a uh, one and a half tackles for loss and was playing pretty well, had a pass breakup, but then also, yeah, goes out for injury. I don't hold that against him, but uh, it's just another dang against the room. Um, Echo, I don't recall any major coverage lapses from him. Um, but yeah, then, yeah, like you said, we started bracketing and that everything just kind of went downhill from there in the run game. And it just got really, really, really tough to stop them. Definitely our worst run defense performance of the year, probably, which I mean, fair, honestly, to TCU. We were out of players and they just took advantage. Um, yeah, definitely not the type of performance you want to see. Uh, from the defensive back room, Jacob Parrish, a lot of credit to him. He really stepped up, played a ton of snaps, uh, had a big pass breakup, a near interception. Um, that, that was just a great play by him. Uh, so a lot of credit to Jacob Parrish. But yeah, just a, a, a very difficult game all around. Yep. Next up is Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator. I gave him a B because he first half was like a plus performance. Like even considering that last bit, the second half, I, I think he was doing the best he could with what he had, but at the exact same time, I think that there are times that his running schemes in particular can get a little bit vanilla and non-creative. And I think that there were a couple of times that there was a, a questionable play call because I think he ended up calling sometime in the fourth. It was either early in the third or somewhere in the fourth. He ended up calling a another. I don't even think it's an option at this point because the two opposite pulling guards make it make me think it's a a QB jet wrap counter, which basically means to you know pull you know have that fake jet sweep, pretend you're going to give it, then have the two backside players just loop around to be lead blockers. It's, basically a QB wrap, but with the jet motion added called that it was a little bit questionable. And I think that was actually the play where Will got hurt. And like, I know you can't expect a player to get hurt. You can't expect them to do that. Otherwise you can't call any offensive plays ever, but just there were certain times that I was like, all right, that's, that's technically all right. But, you know, you can be a little bit more creative. The biggest issue I have with Colin Klein is how he schemes the running game outside of the quarterback running game, because he might be the best at calling a QB running game in the Big 12. Go figure. But (laughs) the traditional running game seems to be a little bit lacking at times. But what did you end up giving him? I gave him B, too. Um, If you based this grade solely off of K-State Twitter, I think he would have gotten an F and run out of town. Yeah. But, no, he would have. Yeah, I, I really don't think Colin Klein is the reason we lost this game, and I liked a lot of what he was doing in the past game. Uh, guys were getting wide open, and even when they weren't, Will Howard was making really nice throws for the most part. Um, I gave him a B. Yeah, he definitely did uh, uh, struggle a little bit more in the uh, 
uh, second half, but even then we were actually sustaining some drives. We just weren't getting points from it, yeah. which is very, very, very frustrating. But when Will Howard was the quarterback, we had two sustained drives out of the three chances that he had. And uh, um, the, the last one was just a desperation pick. So yeah. Klein honestly called a solid gain. There's arguments you can make about game management, but that's not a Klein thing. That's a Kleiman thing. And that's been an issue since uh, his first season. Uh, and so you can make comments about that if you want, I guess. But we don't give Kleiman a grade here. So. Yeah, no. Next up is the defensive coordinator, Joe Kleinerman. And this one, the more and more I thought about through the episode, the more and more I've toiled with it. It's the first time in the season he hasn't gotten an, at least an A- minus from me. It's the first time he's knocked out of the A's. I think I'm going to settle on giving him a B just because there were times that I thought against this offense in particular, it kind of seemed like we were calling things a little bit backwards. We were getting conservative when we should have been aggressive and aggressive when we should have been more conservative. And I put the, I put the tight end getting open up the seam twice, especially once in the red zone. I put that a lot on coaching. Because, yeah, if you get beat on it once and, you know, that happens, especially because they hadn't shown it much throughout the entire year. Yeah, shout out to our take about Jaron Wiley not being a contributor in the passing game. That aged real well. But <laughs> the getting beat on it twice, I think that's a coaching thing. So I ended up giving him a B just because a lot of times it felt like he was calling things backwards. Like he didn't have a bad game by any stretch of the imagination, but it just seemed like a little bit of an outlier, which again, a B performance against the most explosive offense in the big 12 and a top five explosive offense in the country. That's I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah, I gave him a B too. Um, just because I mean, by the end of the game again, uh, Kleinerman was dealing with an even more uh, banged up unit than a uh, Klein was yeah. just saying a lot. Yeah, and uh, so he, I think he did okay, all things considered. Obviously, he went more uh, starting out with that sixty-five yard touchdown, suboptimal in my yeah. opinion. Uh, and then uh, giving up that touchdown late in the first half, uh, pretty tough. Probably shouldn't have put Julius Brents back out there um, after he got hurt. I, I get that he wanted to give it a go, and we just needed him to guard Johnston. But then again, he went back out. Probably shouldn't have let him do that. And then he gave up the touchdown to Johnston. So questionable decision-making there, but I, I get it. They wanted to give him a shot and just bad timing. Uh, like story of the game, I guess. Yeah, story of the game. <laughs> um, But I gave him a B. Um, All in all, we held them pretty well. Um, Roughly to about the level I expected, Um, which was if they still got a few explosive plays. Um, not as many as I, they would get against most defenses, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, they got more points than I predicted, but at least some of that you can chalk up to the like, 30 yard field that we gifted them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm not going to hold that too much against uh, Joe Klanderman, uh, at least in that, in that particular uh, drive. So that'd uh, be for me. Yep. So now we can move on to answering the pregame questions, and we typically try to do this quickly. First question, how healthy is K-State coming off of their bye week? Good Lord. If only we knew, huh? 
what a question this was. Little did we know how impactful this would be, but in a completely different way than we thought. Yeah. Um, not is not the answer. Actually, not at all. Can K-State contain Quentin Johnston? I mean, less than 120. He's not going to get a race. It's not possible. That was the exact quote. Did he have less than 120? He got like what, 80? 70, 74. 74. Four yeah. catches, 74 yards. Most of that on the one catch still counts. I'm not like you saying that to discount it, but yeah, still counts. Um, uh, we generally contained him. He did have a few drops, uh, but that's his fault. So yeah. <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. Can the defensive line group knock Duggan off of his spot? They did it with enough consistency that I would say yes. Yeah. The four sacks for the front six, I guess. Uh, so generally speaking yes uh at times we were inconsistent with it but we did a pretty solid job honestly of keeping him on the move and not giving him a ton of time um he still had a good game but defensive line was solid yeah does k-state avoid the chunk plays that have made tc so effective no (laughs) definitely not completely um because they had two long touchdowns and then uh kendra had the uh uh, like 50 yard run uh that was really aggravating uh so which at that point the defense was just completely decimated that at that point it was getting reminiscent of iowa state last year where like on the very first snap wayne jones completely overshot his gap and priest hall got like a 75 yard touchdown because of it yeah luckily uh kendra is not as fast as priest hall or as good as him so uh, which coverage does K-State opt for more often? They opted for zone because they're not going to change their scheme because, and honestly, fair enough to them, it was working fine. Yeah. Does K-State slow down the game and try to limit the number of possessions TCU gets? They were trying. Yeah, try is the operative word there. Um, At the end of the day, we ran, I think, 53 plays and TCU ran 82. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot of that has to do with uh, opening sustained drive for TCU, uh, interception, another sustained drive, uh, or it was opening sustained drive, KSA sustained drive, Will Howard gets hurt, uh, and then just the wheels falling off from there. Yeah. The wheels were, were pretty well off by the time that the, the second QB sneak failure happened. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, can K-State's receivers separate versus a team that likes man coverage? Apparently, yes. <laughs> Actually, yes. Uh, Actually, surprise, yes. Surprisingly, yes. Um, we're not going to. The second part was, does K-State try to use more running back tight end concepts to force non-traditional passing matchups? Also, I mean, kind, also of, yeah. kind of with the uh, running back. Uh, yeah, Deuce had four catches. DJ Giddens had an excellent catch. Sammy Wheeler had that catch in the end zone off the mm-hmm. uh, big power pop pass. Yeah, actually, yeah, we we did do that. We managed to do both of those things. Yeah. And the one that probably hurts the most, can K-State stay consistent in the second half against a TCU team that's been great at second half adjustments? I'm At this point, I'm not even sure they're adjusting. They're just the healthier team every single week. Yeah, I was going to say um, no, but kind of by default. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh. I, I I kind of agree with you. I don't. It didn't seem my TCU made a ton of adjustments. I'm sure they made a few, but a lot of that was really we just ran out of warm bodies. We didn't have Will for 
most for majority of the second half uh, in terms of our possessions. So, uh, no, we uh, we did not stay consistent, but we just ran out of guys. So next up, we can give our offensive and defensive MVPs. Smile is already on my face. Offensive MVP, big William Howitzer, baby. Willie Howitzer. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so excited about this. We lost, but it feels nice to at least get that vindication. I, when If we had won this game, we were going to be a problem. Oh, <laughs> this oh podcast. no, 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 no. If we would have won this game. We like- would have burned down K-State Twitter. If we had single-handedly, <laughs> we had that meme of Will Howard. We've had that ready since for months. August. We have been prepared for this moment. You will most likely not see him this year, unless just kidding. Just like, I, and I know, like you, you guys shouldn't be so excited about a quarterback performance and a loss. Don't care. Didn't ask. Plus ratio. <laughs> Plus, like, give us something. We're in pain. Plus, plus, give us literally anything. And I, this is probably going to be the most controversial take that I have on this episode. If Will Howard gets those two drives and doesn't get hurt, we probably score and win this game. I mean, I don't think that's overly. I don't think it's overly controversial because the insinuation is pretty much a fully healthy K State team beats a fully healthy TCU team on a neutral field most of the time. And it's definitely fair to say we were the better team for at least half of that game. And the other half, we were definitely not full speed. Um, Again, TCU played the team in front of them. I'm trying my best to like acknowledge the importance of the injuries without making it like an all encompassing excuse. No, because it wasn't. Yeah. So, but I, I still think that game definitely goes differently if we remain mostly healthy. Uh, if at least we don't get as battered as we did, no. I guess we can sustain some injuries. I think it's still if, probably win that game, but if we had half the injuries we had. I think we win yeah. the game comfortably. And, and there are plenty of other things. If Cade reaches two inches further, if Will throws it two inches more on target, if Tennant two more field goals, yeah, if yeah, Tennant's kick goes like three feet further inside both times, I mean. There's a million little tiny things, which I mean, that's football. So it is what it is. But I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I'm frustrated with it. Oh, well. Yeah. Now, defensive MVP. This one's hard. Um, I'm willing to give it to Nate Matlick because of the sack and the fact that he was getting pretty consistent pressure. But I could be swayed towards... You know, I could be swayed towards sincere. Could be swayed towards Josh Hayes when he was healthy. Could be swayed towards you know, even Austin Moore. But I think I'm going to go with Nate Matlock. Yeah, I've been thinking about this the entire episode, and I really have. I'm kind of. To, I'm almost no to a, obvious answer. There's no obvious answer, but it's not like it's been in previous weeks where there's so many great options. It's because so many people were hurt in this game for substantial periods of time or entirely that nobody really had a standout performance. I'm going to say Austin Moore based purely on a stat line, just because he had nine tackles, a forced fumble and generally played pretty well. So uh, I'm saying Austin Moore, even though he was at least a little bit banked up. uh, That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. (laughs) 
Now we can go ahead and get the takeaways. And first things for first, you mentioned that you were a doomer about it. K-State Twitter has been a doomer about this game. I feel like I'm the only person on earth who has this opinion. But you know what this game gave me? Hope. This game gave me hope. In a way, and I don't mean like a hope that we could win this game. I mean a hope that we could hang with a top 10 team in the country through an insane amount of adversity on the road, on the road. This could have been easily a game where we just, all right, we have our excuses. We can lay down and die, you know, our backup quarterbacks in, you know, we don't have to bust out the big guns on offense. Oh, our starting Mike linebackers gone. So we don't have a chance on defense. Why are we, no one on this team looked down. And you know what? No moral victories, yada, 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 whatever you want. This this gave me hope because we were able to hang with a team with a great deal of adversity. Yeah, I think that's a fair perspective. I was definitely very doomer about this game last night, uh, at least just in terms of how I was feeling. Um, I never really got on the bandwagon of like the season being over because of this game, unless every single injury we had is like season ending in that case. Okay. Yeah. In that case. Yeah. It's a struggle for bowl eligibility, but, but um, beyond that, I mean, yeah, the second Will Howard came in, I'm sure basically every KSA fan groaned and threw in the towel there. And he ended up taking us to a pretty substantial lead and nearly uh, took even further um probably should have many 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 factors going into why we didn't the, to the point where i just don't think that you can pin it on a single thing no um uh, but yeah i am not as pessimistic about the upcoming schedule as i was oklahoma state um uh, i'm very interested in how that game goes at this point um yeah. because it is That's going to be very up. It's going to be very telling for the rest of the year. I'm happy it's a home game. Oklahoma State's really had our number. Uh, I'm interested to see who's going to be QB, who gets healthy, who doesn't. All sorts of questions going into that game. This this may be the first time where we have to cover a Tuesday press conference in one of our preview episodes. It's going to be super, super relevant, and I ultimately think we don't get very much from it. I think Kleiman is going to be the ultimate gamesman in -hmm. this week's press conference. Like he was with Skyler. That's uh, true, yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. So you might be throwing out some uh, red herrings here and there, but we'll see. Yeah. Next up is generally we kept a pretty explosive offense from scoring instantly. You know, obviously we didn't completely contain them, but you know we we held a good offense in check. They're probably all Big Twelve quarterback to two hundred and eighty yards. I think. I, I think, honestly, you can sign and seal it. Max Duggan's the all-Big 12 quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I'm not accepting narratives from TCU fans about how they've been playing their whole season with their backup quarterback. God, oh, oh my like, goodness gracious. I'm sorry, that's just not a fair retort when he was a four-year starter. I get what you're saying, but I think you know that's kind of an obtuse way of looking at it. So I, I don't think that's a valid statement to make comparing our situation to theirs. Um, I'm not going to make excuses for ours, but I'm also going to look at their situation realistically and say, 
they did actually going into the season have the best backup in the country. Like we say yeah. that a lot about Will. They actually did have the best backup in the country going into this year. Yeah. I mean, Max Duggan should have been the starter is yeah. essentially what the season has told us. Yeah, but pretty much. That is well, 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 beside the point. Uh, yeah, we we did a pretty solid job against him, and Max Duggan will be the first team All Big Twelve quarterback. So, um, I mean, again, frustrating. We really lost gas down the stretch. Um, not all of that falls entirely on the defense. I think they did the best that they could uh, as things went on, but they were gassed. There were guys there that probably shouldn't have been. Um, not much else really to to say about that. Yeah. Next up is the line had a better game. Not much to say there. Kind of talked about it in game day grades. Yeah, I agree. Next up is Will is good and Jake Rubley needs more time to marinate. So please contain your Jake Rubley QB2 for this year. Please Will's please that. Will's performance against TCU should be the ultimate example of why people need to be patient with Jake and that Will finally not having the pressure of having to come in and like play significant minutes and getting a system tailored to him, which is something that we've talked about a lot is getting a system that fits his skill set better. Um, he looks much more impressive and Jake definitely needs more time to develop because he's a young quarterback. And I don't know what it is with college football fans ever since Trevor Lawrence. It feels like if you're a redshirt freshman, you aren't starting and throwing like, 30 touchdowns in a season, then you're worthless. That is not how being a four-star recruit works. That just means that you have a high ceiling. And 90%, most five-star quarterbacks don't start as true freshmen and look good. DJ Uyagalele was a number one overall recruit or whatever, five-star QB, and he just got benched in a game against uh, Syracuse. So um, Trevor Lawrence's are not the... uh, the, the norm the standard they're not the standard he is a unicorn uh jake is not even close to that recruiting ranking or pedigree so be patient with jake in the same way that you weren't patient with will uh oh, take geez. the opportunity to learn and give jake time because please change and grow as a person <laughs> yes uh and and just give give jake time because one pass does not equate his like the end of his career in the same way that him going like four for four earlier in the year against South Dakota did not mean that he all of a sudden was better than Adrian Martinez. So just give him some time, let him develop and he'll either become something or he won't. And we will see. He clearly has good mechanics. Just didn't make a good read. Yeah. One pass. Don't overthink it. No, like that 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 is the ultimate Jake Rubley statement. Do not overthink a single throw. Yeah, don't overthink a single throw and for the love of God, just let him marinate. Like he yep. give the young man time. That's all I'm gonna say. He's the third string quarterback. We should not be talking about it. Like, like why is Jake not starting? Bro, He's you know who the third quarterback. string quarterback last year was? <laughs> give Jake time. Yeah. So you have any final bow thoughts before we, we talk and before we wrap it up? My thoughts on the K-State TCU game can be summed in one of our favorite statements, and which which is, that's a shame. That could have happened, could have happened to, anybody. to anybody. And I won't allow it. 
I I normally would say something like I'd allow I I refuse to allow that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd prefer not to allow it. They're not. It doesn't matter what I think, but yeah. I'm gonna say it anyways. I won't allow it. Yeah. But yeah, that wraps up this episode. And next time we will be covering the Oklahoma State matchup that will be in Manhattan at two thirty on Big Boy Fox. Be there. It'll be a great environment. But for now. That wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and Cats. If you want to email us, we are Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at AC Edwards 00. I'm at Connor Balthasor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doomtang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>